All right, welcome to the Chance of Gaming podcast, episode 25. As I do fix my numbering, here we are a year later, a podcast looks at a year. I'm going to fix my numbering. This is episode 25 of the actual podcast we do. I'm Adam Chance, a Mississippi resident, and with me always is Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich from St. Louis, Missouri, home of the St. Louis Blues and their 10-game winning streak. Wow. Hey, and I'm, I'm uh, Roy from north of the wall in Michigan, <laughs> where it's currently snowing to beat the band. How's your local sports team doing, Roy? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really give a crap about sports. Yeah, if you do if you do follow hockey in the NHL, you notice I wasn't mentioning the Blues much two months ago, but all of a sudden they decided to start playing well, so I'm interested. Well, okay. you know, I have noticed amongst geeks that hockey seems to be the game that that uh, that geeks tend to follow. Kevin Smith really? is a big hockey guy, uh, and there you know there's plenty of other uh, people of our ilk who are who follow hockey. Mm, and I don't quite know why. Yeah. That would well, surprise me. I would think I know baseball is so stat heavy that a lot of nerdy people like baseball just for the stats, and the NFL <laughs> is just super popular in general, although not so much in St. Louis. But that's interesting. I, I like baseball if I'm sitting in a park with a beer and a hot dog. Yeah, watching people spin their head around on a on a bat and run back and forth. <laughs> a seventeen dollar beer and a twenty three dollar hot dog. <laughs> So, well, I like the uh, I like the farm league stuff where it's a lot cheaper. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, a minor league team, but it's like one town over. I see. I, I you know I kind of think uh, geeks like hockey and stuff like that because it's just different. I know if I had a local minor league hockey team and the beer was cheap, I'd be there every game. Oh, you minor know, league hockey is amazing. Just yelling, you know, myself hoarse, going like, yay, local team, you know, go sports, you know, just that yeah. kind of thing. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, when you said St. Louis Blues, I was like, um, is that like uh, <laughs> basketball or is it, is it, I don't think it's baseball, you know, I, yeah, I didn't know what it was, but yeah, okay, it's hockey, I, I get that. And uh, on the last interview I did, the guy was a really big um, Washington hockey fan. And because uh, I talked about like, uh, well, if I ever get to North Carolina where I'd like to live, um, they have the Hurricanes, the Canes. And apparently they're doing really well. So, yeah. Yeah. And Washington won last year, I believe. I think the so. Stanley yeah. Cup, yeah. So, yeah. Welcome to Chance of Gaming Hockey Talk. That's right. No, no, just a little <laughs> bit of weather and lots of hockey. You know, I'm willing to bet if we if we look around, we could find a hockey tabletop game. And I don't mean that really cool one that, you know, some kids had where it was covered in the plastic dome and you could do the little... Uh, it dropped you know, a lot of quarters into that when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, where you could, you know, you're moving the little guys around and, and trying to hit it. Oh, on rods? Yeah, yeah, the rods. That's what uh -huh. I was thinking of. I, uh -huh. I, bet, I bet we could find a hockey board game. I, I swear. I swear oh, there's yeah. one. Tweet at me, at Trapeer Jr. Tweet at me if you know a hockey game. And, uh, um, is there Was there Stratomatic Hockey? Not that I know of. Okay. Yeah, I know there's some good baseball games. But again, baseball is so stat-based that it really lends itself to, uh, you know, that type of game, whether you're just, you know, re rolling dice or whatever. Mm -hmm. All right. 
All right, our favorite designer, Richard Berg slash Borg, uh, one of those actually. Well, well, they're the same person anyway. You will um, be assimilated. They, um, one of, uh, he did a baseball game. You know, I'm almost positive uh, he did a baseball game. Yeah, I think you're right. A, a baseball board game. And I don't know how that worked. Um, how that would work. Um, yeah, it was... Yeah, see the burger board, uh, whatever. The the guy with the mustache, he did one of those games. And you know there were other. Uh, there's been football games. I know. I tell you another thing. I I'm really crazy for weird games. Like if cricket popped up in my local area, I would follow that. I would play it if I could. Or like uh, hurling, the Gaelic game. You know where. Um, which is basically like stickball, sort of. But yeah, yeah. There's a it, not in St. Charles, but in, in St. Louis, but in St. Charles, which is basically a suburb of St. Louis. There's a uh, there. I think there's a Scottish games every year where they do like caber tossing and all that stuff. So, oh, that's really really cool. There's no board game for it that I know of. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so see, somebody should do that. Holland Spiel <laughs> should get on that right now. Yeah. Gaelic games, perfect. <laughs> Perfect, right there. All right. Anyway, as we always start out on some odd tangent, you know, for 30 minutes before we get to the actual game, uh, what we're playing uh, lately is uh, I'll start us out with I got my Star Wars Armada stuff out and dusted off and uh, added to and whatnot uh, after our last discussion that you know, we're going to be able to do large scale stuff. And I've kind of been like poking around on the internet, just seeing like where the game is and what people are interested in. Seems to be everybody is really expecting an announcement this year at Gen Con for Clone Wars one way or the other. We're hoping for another starter set with the Clone Wars. Cause you know, uh, at the end of this month, first of March, we get the first Clone Wars stuff for X-Wing. Yeah, and not only that, but thematically, Clone Wars actually leads its, uh, lends itself to big fleet battles better than any of the other Star Wars things do. I mean, in the, you know, the Clone Wars era, so that the prequels, basically, you saw a lot of big naval engagements, whereas in the regular Star Wars, um, you know, you had the, the battles around the Death Star, but neither of those were super interesting as far as the the big naval engagements um so yeah clone wars would be good for that 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 seems to be the everyone's opinion is like wow there are so many ships and stuff like that that you could do for this so i'm really hoping you know we get that at the end of the year um my other thing is just dead gum i wish i could find an opponent it's you know as popular as x-wing is i think we have probably eight dedicated players maybe so mm. and and that's about it so that's about the size of the legion community in st louis but x-wing is huge here yeah so i feel like if x-wing were bigger and see i get the whole thing of like wow i really want to get into armada but i'm scared that you know it's done for because like the last wave that was announced was two years ago yeah that so. was a long time what about that uh, that big, huge ship that they announced? Is that available yet? That is true, and uh, I think that's coming out in March or April, one of the two. See, I would love, my local shop would 
gleefully um, give one of those away in a tournament, but you know, I probably need to find like ten players to make it worth their while. Um, and yeah, it just in statewide, I think I could probably come up with a total of five, counting myself. So, meh. What can you do? I guess uh, the other thing was I had my uh, Rogue Trader for uh, Warhammer Kill Team. I had it put together. And um, I'm getting my Beyond the Gates of Antares stuff put together. Because it's been great. I found a couple of guys that will put things together in exchange for cash. And it's been awesome. Because they work pretty cheap. And I can actually get these games out on the table. Where do you keep all your minis? Um, in various foam or trays or stuff like that in a closet in the garage. That is where. You've got a wide variety. <laughs> I do, I do. And that's the thing is like if they sit around for long enough, I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of them. I'll, I'll get, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I've had these put together. I've had them painted. I haven't played them in like a year. So pff, out they go. So. <laughs> I guess the only other thing I was interested in after my last interview was Conflict 47, which is done by Warlord Games. It's essentially two years after the end of World War II, and it's kind of diesel punk, where uh, like America has these really cool walkers, these mechs kind of things that are big and heavily armored that have machine guns and tank barrels on them. And you'll have tanks with Tesla cannons and all that shit you know but it's just kind of cool but apparently there's a bunch of guys playing it about two hours north of me so and uh so eh, I'm, like, I'm like i've had the rule book for a couple of years and i'm like eh, those figures are cool and it just it clicks that add i have and i'm like maybe i should get a couple forces for that so. there was another game that was kind of looked like this i can't think of what it was maybe Tannhauser, does that sound right? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's you're right. Um, like the AT forty three is kind of kind of a branch of that too. So that would have been from uh, Rackham Games. But I'm not um, for sure about that. Not AT forty three. Dust was uh, Dust. the yes, uh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and I okay. want to say I think that was FFG had them. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but yeah, it's that kind of thing. It's it's not Cold War. It's kind of like Weird War, like immediately following World War II. You know, we found some Martian ray guns or whatever, and yeah, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So a lot some of walkers. Of them, yeah. Uh-huh. Con- Conflict 47 doesn't, but some companies will add like magic or demons or stuff like that. Whereas Conflict 47, I am interested because they have... Uh, German werewolves, so you can actually do, like, She-Wolf of the SS, you know, those weird pulp movies that people made, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and um, the Soviets have were-bears, if that's the... Not Care Bears, they're the opposite of Care Bears, they're <laughs> were-bears. They don't have things on their tummies, they just have death in their hands. So, you know, that's kind of cool. And there's, I think the Germans also have some kind of weird bat creatures, but it's like, it's supposed to be science-based. It's supposed to not be like magic. It's supposed to be like, well, you know, we experimented on some soldiers and they grew wings and claws. So there you go. We're going to toss them in. 
So oh, hey, there's Japanese starter set. Like all mm-hmm. the different various uh, forces involved in World War II have a have a presence here. Right. They even do some fins um, because they were apparently supplied by the Germans to fight the Soviets in there. No French so far, which I'm a little disappointed, but, you know, they've got some really cool-looking units, so I'll try to figure some stuff out there. So there's the British Cromwell tank with a Tesla cannon on the front. Yeah. Uh, One thing I like about the Brits is apparently in the fluff, their uh, their army lost a lot of people, so they had to make, like, robots. So they have, like, whole mm-hmm. units of, like, robots with machine guns that look really cool because they're wearing <laughs> those Tommy um, uh, helmets. So, yeah, that, that kind of thing appeals to me. I like the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks neat. So, uh, speaking of World War II... Rich is going to tell us all about Advanced Squad Leader that he's been playing. And I was going to ask, have you got your copy of uh, Red Factories yet? No, you know what? I did not order that one. Um, I, it, As hard as it is for me as an ASL player to say it, I, I can't just get everything. So um, I, I don't know what table I would put that on and where I would play it, so I did not order that one. I've got plenty to play, and honestly, what I need is people to play against, so... Um, but I did get to play today, actually. I played an, an online game against uh, someone. We played uh, actually a module from the STL scenarios. So, so the, the STL ASL group a few years ago put out a bunch of scenarios from the Burma campaign of World War II, and we played one of those, and it's awesome. It was uh, Japanese against uh, the British Commonwealth. Um, I played the Brits. I, I lost, but it came down to the very last roll. I had... You know, a couple of heroes that needed to take a building, and I was trying to hold a third building when finally, after about a dozen different shots and dropping mortars on top of the building, they finally broke my guys inside. So um, had a really good time playing that. I've also been playing ASL Starter Kit against a friend, and we play face-to-face. Uh, I think we'll play every other week, so we're going to play this Thursday. And uh, we're just going to play through all the Starter Kit stuff. And by the time we get there, Starter Kit 4 will probably be out for Pacific Theater, but we may update to full ASL at some point. Um, I like playing Starter Kit, but the more I play Starter Kit, there's two main... There's there's lots of things that are in full ASL that are not in Starter Kit, but the two main ones that I really miss in Starter Kit are the Sniper Rules and the Concealment Rules. Those two, I think, add a lot to the full game, so... But uh, yeah, I did get to play some ASL. And then what? What about my T-shirt? I, I'm sorry, you you broke up. I didn't catch that. Boy, with the T-shirt. <laughs> what about have, my T-shirt? I have not seen Jim. So, um, the this is me buying for time. No, honestly, I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen Jim. We were gonna play. Uh, so the, the St. Louis ASL group used to play almost every month, and we don't anymore. So that's you know obviously a shame that we don't get to. But there was a game day in, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago. But the day of the game day, we got like a foot of snow here in St. Louis, so they canceled it. And they rescheduled it for a couple weeks from now, but that's on the day that I can't make it. So um, I'm not getting your T-shirt this month. Mm-hmm. He's washing his car with the shirt. He's, in he's, July, 
there will be the St. Louis ASL tournament and I will be there and I will get your t-shirt by then. But unfortunately, I think that's even after the con. So yeah, you're not going to get that t-shirt. Maybe I'll bring well, you a t-shirt for the con and then I'll, I'll just take yours. Maybe we'll do well, that. Well, won't I actually have an opportunity to buy a second t-shirt at that point? Yes. And then you'll get the that the next year. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it just starts going. <laughs> it's like the way. it's like the NWS Wargamer guy. You just it's good prices, but it takes a while for the stuff to get to you. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm waiting on my pre-order of uh, Red Factories from. Yeah, uh, golly, I did that pre-order like two years ago, I think, and so I'm just I'm just waiting. Yeah, you ought to fire up Vassal sometime. We'll play online. We'll play anything against you, starter kit, ASL, whatever. Yeah, that's my plan. We'll do. Uh, I want to do Red Factories, you know, yeah. over that. It'll be fun. Love to. Anyway, keep going. So yesterday at the STL Wargamers Day, we had our monthly gaming day, and we played uh, Falling Sky with the new. I say new. It's a few months old. Uh, the new expansion, Aerial Vistas. Um, this one came out. It was a few months ago. I've had it sitting on my shelf for a while, but haven't had a chance to play it. So Falling Sky is a coin game, a counterinsurgency game by GMT. Um, it's the system developed by Volka Runka. We interviewed him last year and talked about these. Um, and this expansion, I think his son is the one that actually came up with this one. Um, but uh, the Aero Vistas basically takes the Falling Sky game and goes about 10 years earlier so you know 10 years before you play falling sky um and rather than the conquest of gaul it's more like the germans or the germans and the romans are both mo- both moving into gaul at about the same time so when i ordered this off p500 when it was first announced i was thinking that the germans would actually be a fifth player for the game because uh the coin it's it's just a four-player game and that's not the way it worked it actually the Germans are a fourth player, and then they take away one of the factions, and they become a non-player faction. So we had a good time. I always like playing a coin game. Um, we had a hard time figuring out uh, – both times the, the player that played the Germans never really made much headway. So we had a hard time figuring out how to get the Germans going, and we had a sort of hard time figuring out how to play the non-player faction uh, properly. So uh, – I. Honestly, Falling Sky is my favorite coin game, and I would rather just play Falling Sky than play Aerial Vista. So I will play this again sometime, I think, but mostly I'm just going to continue playing regular Falling Sky because it's it's just it's so well balanced, and it is uh, all four factions play very differently, and it's just it's a whole lot of fun. I, I Falling Sky is one of my favorite games. Did you say Z Germans? <laughs> Z Germans, yes, and I Z love Germans. that you you picked up on that because you were. Yeah. I, I I don't know why the how gosh how old is Snatch? It's got to be what fifteen twenty years old. Uh, I will live Google it. Yeah. Anytime I ever say anything about Germans, I say Z Germans, and you were I think you're the first time that has ever picked up on that. <laughs> it's from two thousand. So yeah, almost twenty years old, nineteen years old. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're the only person that's ever picked up on that reference, and I do it every single time I ever mention Germans, which is a lot as a World War II gamer. What so. do you need a gun for, Tommy? <laughs> Germans. And then did yeah. you see – now we're going way off track. Did you see in the news a couple weeks ago there was a lady got eaten by a bunch of pigs? 
No, I didn't. Yeah, so another snatch reference reference there. So anyone that's not – that has not seen Snatch, you should pause the podcast right now and go watch it because it's an amazing movie. Uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels is the one before that one with most of the same cast. And it's almost as good. But, yeah, it's really good. But Snatch is awesome. Uh, so I've also been playing a lot of X-Wing. Um, still haven't played it out of the house yet. Um, like I, I mentioned earlier, X-Wing community is really big in St. Louis. So I'm going to get out to the game stores and start playing against some other people. But I've just been playing against my daughters a lot lately. been playing version 2. I like second version. Um, it's a little bit cleaner. It takes away a lot of the stuff that annoyed me as the first version got older and older. I'm really glad to be back into it. Um, I've mentioned before that the Star Wars Legion community is not doing well here in St. Louis, but the X-Wing community is huge. And I definitely want to play more Legion, but I'm just having trouble finding opponents for that. Uh, Definitely not having that trouble with X-Wing. So I'm going to play, have been playing more X-Wing, and I'm going to continue playing more X-Wing. Played some more Gloomhaven, uh, and I finally got to retire my first character. So that was fun. Um, Gloomhaven is a game that... I've played it, I think we're probably 15 scenarios in at this point, so got a pretty good idea about the game is going. Um, as as I was playing the game at the beginning, I was thinking, this is fun, but I think it's a little overhyped. Um, you know, that's I think, is Gloomhaven still the f- number one game on BGG right now? It might um... be. If, if not, it's near the top of the list. And I kept thinking, I don't think this is the greatest game ever. It's fun. But, man, that game is really starting to grow on me. The more I play it, the more I like it. And I, it's definitely not my favorite game, uh, but I'm appreciating it more and more as I play it more and more. So I did retire my first character, and I'm going to start playing a new character in our next session. It is number five number as five? we record this podcast. Yeah. What's number one right now? Tiny Epic Tactics. That's the best game of all time. Well, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm looking at the hotness. What oh, should okay. I be looking at? All right. Uh, <laughs> There's another one of like. Is there like a? I didn't know there was. I like don't a know. Big I don't know where they one. keep them less now, but yeah, Gloomhaven is definitely up there. So. Okay. Hey, and, I noticed uh, that hate is uh, number two there. We've talked about hate before, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. You we know have. why it's, it's number two is because it finally shipped. People are uh, actually getting it, and so whatever metric they that causes them to rank games based on people, I guess, searching for it or clicking on it or whatever, has bumped that up. But yeah, their uh, Kickstarter shipped, and people are actually starting to get it. So that's kind of why okay. it's 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 bumped up. It's the same reason Root is number three. They announced a um, an expansion. Yep, so new expansion coming out. On that hotness list, I see that Root is ranked 76, and two below it, Gloomhaven is still uh, number one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see that. It is number one. I see that now. Yeah, it's rank overall is number one, thematic and strategy. Uh, I don't know. I've seen people play it. I've never played it. So, you know. Have you played it, Roy? What, Gloomhaven? Yeah. Or Root? Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven. Yeah. Yep, it's been a while. So but what's yeah, your thought on it for the it's, game that's uh, ranked number one? It's engaging. I mean, it's and it's um, it's certainly innovative. 
in that you know you have all these different uh, trees of, of which way to go and and uh, I mean it's basically it's it's kind of a uh, a dungeon crawler or a uh, an RPG that with you know heavy tactical elements that yeah. don't require a, a GM. Yeah, so, so in a way, sounds like we're about like, on the like same page with it. Yeah. I'm sorry, what's that? I said it sounds like we're about on the same page, but like I said, yeah. it is growing on me. The more I play it, the more I like it. So, mm-hmm. And then we played yeah. – sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 1 is number two. Through the Ages, A Story of Civilization is number three. Terraforming Mars is four. And number five is Twilight Struggle. So that's the current mm-hmm. top five in Board Game Geek. Yeah, all good games. Uh, of those five, I'd probably say Twilight Struggle is the best, but that's me. Uh, and then Katie, Katie, what's her name? Would agree. <laughs> and then uh, I did get to play another module of Time Stories. We finished up, so now we have finished everything that has been published for Time Stories. And I actually thought that this was the end of the first series or whatever they're calling it the white box the blue box has been announced that's going to be the second series for time stories and it'll build on the story from the first one but then i found out there is actually one more module for the white box it hasn't been published yet but it is coming out so we're not quite done with the white box um once we finish that then obviously we'll move on to the blue box as well but time stories i've talked about it before it's kind of like playing the game quantum leap um what's interesting though is now that we've played Everything that's out, almost everything that's going to be out for the white box, it'd be interesting to go back. I don't know that I want to play them all again, but I really want to go back and just kind of see all the little hidden things that relate to the – there's like a hidden story. You know, you play Time Travelers and you find out – spoilers – uh, that there is actually another group of time travelers that is sort of working against you. And you can – there are actually times you can ally with them, so – It'd be interesting to see how the blue box deals with that. Um, but as for now, we're caught up in time stories. And then the other thing I've been playing, I've been playing this one since last year. We've had an online vassal game going of Here I Stand, and we finally finished that one up today. So um, we got to the, I think we finished the third turn or the third round, and France pulled out the victory by building a bunch of pretty castles. And we're going to jump right back into it. Because I think we'll probably just keep a game of Hero Stand going. That's that's definitely one of my favorite games as well. All right, Roy, what have you been playing? So our our nemesis or Adam's nemesis, Cool Mini <laughs> or Not, has a game that came out recently called Victorian Masterminds. Um, so this is a steampunk themed game in which you play. So the the fluff says that uh, Sherlock Holmes has been killed, and so now all of these various uh, criminal masters are have are working on their devices to take over Europe. And so you, to start the game, you have a card that has a picture of a machine on it, some kind of war machine. There may be like a Zeppelin with guns or a, um, uh, a, a excavator, like a driller that will go and, and pillage the various places of Europe so Russia's in there, um, uh, London is in there, and so you. Uh, there's a game I've talked about previously called uh, Mission Red Planet, where you have a hand of henchmen that you send out to do various things. And so each turn you play a card. Uh, in Victorian Masterminds, you have three, or I'm sorry, five 
henchmen that you can send out, and you shuffle them, and they are they are chips. And this very nicely themed in that fact that they are gears. So it's like a poker chip, but it's toothed around the edges, and so you can fiddle with them and, and, and play with them. So you take a stack of five, take the top one and look at it, and you can put it on one of the various locations uh, on the board. And then once there's three henchmen there from you or from another player, then it activates. You flip it over, and then whatever the henchman is that you put there does what it's supposed to do. So like your number two will take the spoils of that location twice. So you can get a copper plate, or you can get a bolt, or you can get a scientist, and use the bolts and the copper plates to complete your machine. And as you complete the various parts of the machine, then it will increase your firepower, or it will give you some victory points, or will give you um, a bunch of different things. But there's one of the henchmen that is the engineer, which is, uh, when you place the engineer, you can do the engineer effect, and it's different for each machine. Um, and so then there's a portion on your, on each machine where you complete that, it kind of enhances the engineer. And so every time you take a building, so each, each location, so London has Big Ben, it has a university, it has a forge and a mill, I think. And each one of those gives you various things. So like if you take Big Ben, that's a victory point. If you take the university, you get a scientist. You can turn in the scientist for uh, additional effects. So if you, if you burn two scientists, then you can take an extra turn. And so each time you take a building, the firepower required to take another building goes up. So you're always trying to get more and more firepower so that you can be at the level to take a building when your uh, token comes up. So anyway, uh, Victorian Masterminds, we, we decided we kind of like this game. Kind of reminds me of uh, Despicable Me. Yeah, you 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 uh, know the whole stealing buildings things just makes me think of Despicable Me because <laughs> didn't he steal the moon in that one? <laughs> I I don't recall. I think he did. He did steal the Statue of Liberty. Well, yeah, the small the small one from Las Vegas. <laughs> but so like yeah, if you go to London, uh, I'm just I'm looking at the at the board here that will give you a book. And so if you have five books, you don't have to take the one on the top. You don't have to take the henchman on the top. You can take any of them. So you can kind of work to get, well, I want to have five books so that I don't have to have potluck of whatever chip is on top. Um, there are also mission cards that get flipped up. Um, and so if you, one of your henchmen is the one that completes missions. And so, um, if you put that down, you can do whatever mission is there. And the missions are something like, I've completed um, four various parts of my machine. And if I'm the first person there and I put my, my mission uh, henchman there, then I complete that mission and get a measure of victory points. So the, thematically, it looks very nice. Uh, the, 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 the chips are, are toothed to like gears and they're, they're fun to play with. Um, so yeah, Victorian Masterminds. And this one looks like it just came out. Yeah, it's brand new. It was in our yeah. uh, game library. Wow, you got a nice game library if they got the brand new games in there. No lie. <laughs> yeah. 
so then I played a game of Villainous, and I was victorious at that. Uh, so this is a, um, you play the Disney villains, and in my particular uh, time that I played it, I played, uh, uh, shoot, I can't think of who it is, um, Prince John from the Robin Hood. Uh, was that the, the lion? Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, Prince John. And so you had a, have a hand of four cards, and you each one, each villain has a different victory condition. And so for Prince John, it's just to start a turn with 20 power, uh, which is pretty straightforward. But you, um, if you go to a location on your board, uh, sometimes it'll say, well, take three power, or it'll say play a fate card. So if it says play a fate, I take a card from some other player from their fate deck, and I play a, a, a hero against them. So, like, um, for uh, Maleficent, uh, then Meriwether is a villain or a hero for her. So she will kind of get in the way of Maleficent's plans, and so Maleficent has to deal with her. Or for Ursula, it'll be, um, boy, I don't know any of the, I don't know these movies that well, I guess. Um, but Captain Hook, like, uh, um, Peter Pan will come out and, and P Captain Hook has to deal with Peter Pan. And in fact, that's part of his victory condition so that he has to defeat Peter Pan. Um, but he's pretty tough to get or tough to defeat. So villainous is very kind of uh, asymmetrical win conditions, which are pretty interesting. But this is another game we like is villainous. So you like playing the bad guys. You got two bad guy games. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> And so then uh, I played some Agricola, yay farming. This is the this is the farming Agricola, not the pacifying Britain Agricola. <laughs> um, and I always enjoy this game, but it's always a, a I don't know. It's there's so many things that you have to do, and there's never enough time to do it, and people always get in, in your way where you want to go. So Agricola, I I enjoy, but it's it's often kind of frustrating to me do you play just the base game any expansions or anything or no no it's uh this really i think the only expansions are just in in cards right i think so yeah okay but i think some so of there's... them do add a lot of professions and things like that so okay so yeah, the I've... base game comes with three different decks there's the starter there's the complex and then the interactive, I believe it is. Oh, okay. At least that's what 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 we have. So, Agricola. Yeah, I played Agricola a little bit. I played Caverna more, which is, I mean, it's it's more or less the same game. They're 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 differences, but they're they're obviously mm -hmm. very simple. Both designed by the same guy. And it's always yeah. anytime I play Caverna, it's just it's it's very relaxing. It's just a, you know, doesn't doesn't burn your brain or anything and it's not obviously there's no uh no direct player interaction at all so other than the fact that you just you know someone else will take something that you want to take you know other than that there's not it's it's just a fun game to sit around the table and play so caverna is a little bit i think easier than agricola i've played I've heard a that, couple of games of caverna yeah i've heard that it is as far as like it's 
Agricola is easy, it's easier to starve in, and Caverna is easier to feed your family. So, oh yeah. And so then, uh, just a little bit ago, I played a game called Targi, um, and this is a two-player game, and you have a grid of four by four cards, and around the outside of the board, around the the cards on around the outside, the um, the robber moves. He moves one space each turn. And you can't go where the robber is, but you have three pawns that you place down around the outside, and where they cross, you can take those cards. So if you place three three pawns, you can get at most three cards from the center plus the stuff around the edges. Um, so you, there's uh, three commodities in it. There's salt, pepper, uh, dates, and actually there might be some more. And then there's there's coins that you can get too. So if you if your uh, two pawns cross on on a tribe, you pay a particular um, like two salt, two pepper, and a date will get you a particular tribe card. And sometimes it just has victory points on it, and sometimes it has a special effect on it. And then that's part of your what they call the display. And so you you have a display in front of you that's of twelve cards, or you're trying to, you're working to get twelve cards. And so for each row, if you have four that are the same, that's worth four points. If you have four different, it's worth two points additional. You're also collecting uh, victory points that you, uh, some cards will just give you a victory point. And sometimes you can go to like the silversmith and turn in uh, some commodities for silver. And so this is a, uh, it plays, it has a fairly large footprint for for a two-player game, but I mean, as far as what Richard, you've talked about coffee shop games, um, this is sort of like that. Uh, so Targi. Is the, uh, is the display randomized every game so you get a slightly different experience? No, so the stuff around the outside is numbered, so that gets, gets laid down in, in a particular order. The things on the inside, so there's nine cards on the inside of the track. Each time you go there, it comes off and it gets replaced. Oh, okay. So if you collect that tribe, it goes into your, into your display, or if it's a commodity, then it gets just, you know, flipped and replaced. Um, but each time, so there's, there's tribes and commodities. Each time you take a commodity off, it gets replaced with a tribe or vice versa. So oh, there, okay. if everybody chooses a tribe, then the next turn, there's going to be a whole bunch of commodities out there and vice versa. Cool. So, yeah, it's Targi. Let's see. And then, let's see. I played some Keyforge this, after, this evening, too. I played two games, and I lost one horribly and won one <laughs> uh, decisively. So. I finally I have... the name? Oh, yes? I was just going to say, I finally have two decks now, so... I'm going to be playing this pretty soon. Oh, all right. Uh, I what, what is the name of your deck? Oh, yeah. Richard? Yeah, well... I've got... No, no. I, I was uh, asking you, Roy. Uh, what's oh, okay. the name of your deck that you play? Well, it's the one that you sent me called Boring Yasmin of the Ziggurat. <laughs> okay. The one that is Adam sent me, boring? I literally cannot pronounce. It's <laughs> Walker Jokeviz... The Vault-esque Assistant. But the one that I bought myself makes a little more sense. It's the beast that reflects upon life. <laughs> wow. That was <one's> deep. 
So yeah, I, I played some Keyforge, and I um, actually I played Keyforge and Targi at the bowling alley uh, this, this evening because my daughter and my wife and some other friends went to play Harry Potter trivia uh, at the bowling alley. And so the, oh, man, the link cool. that I've linked there is uh, to the company that runs it called Sporkle. And they do a bunch of themed um, trivia. And boy, howdy, some of those questions were some deep cuts. Um, so like as an example, to get into the Ministry of Magic, you have to go into the phone booth. Are you familiar with that part of it? Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Yeah. Well, there is a five-digit code that you have to key <laughs> into the keypad to get into the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> and Damn. I, yeah. Do, what is now, that five-digit code? How would you know that? Is it in the book, or do they say it in the it's movie? It's in the book. Okay, it's and in so the book. What I did not realize is that the it spells out the word magic if you you know do it according oh, okay. to the numbers in the keypad. But there were some some amazingly tough questions in there, and so um, the the group of my friends that was was playing it, um, they were number one in the first round, and then the second round they dropped to five, and then the in the final question they were not even in the top five. So there were some awfully hard questions in there. Wow. So that's what I've been playing over the last two weeks. Although I didn't actually play the Harry Potter trivia. So with Keyforge, you I assume you don't have the starter set. Did you guys just use whatever for tokens and Yeah, just glass okay. beats. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be playing that before the next time we record. I'm sure I'll have a game of Keyforge in. Uh I was thinking I was going to play it with my 9-year-old daughter. Does that sound appropriate to you or do you think it's too hard for a 9-year-old? Uh you know, a lot of yeah, a lot no. of kids that age play Magic the Gathering. So, what's that? I know a lot of kids that age play Magic the Gathering, and I've heard that Keyforge is similar. So, I'm hoping okay. it'll work. We'll see. It's um, yeah, I'm, uh, that, that should be all right. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I I think it's kind of, yeah, it's easier. You know, I would say it's you know there's not as many card interactions and stuff. At least at this point in the the gaming development. So yeah. I now I did hear there's a second set coming out. Yes. Some new keywords uh, and things. So that'd be kind of neat. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I I don't think I have that uh, listed, but yeah, I'll drop it in yeah. here. I think so it's when called the, the show Ascension notes. expansion or something like that. Oh, I don't know. I just heard somebody talk about. It. Yeah, I've got to say, I've been amazed, at least locally, with the fact that, you know, technically, all you need is one deck. That's all you buy, you yeah. know. But people have that whole, you know, kind of Magic the Gathering mentality about it. And they're constantly buying more decks, you know. <laughs> You'll, it's, it's nothing to, like, run into a guy at the, you know, at the local shop that has 20 or 30 decks that wants to uh-huh. sit down and play. You uh-huh. know, it's... I, it's yeah i they're ffg was just genius to put it out. <laughs> you know i i guess i don't know what i was thinking that people would do they'd just be like okay i'm just gonna buy one or two or three decks and just call it a day no 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 no. and uh like my local store has been running like sealed tournaments where you actually you know the part of the price of entry is you're buying a new deck 
and that you've never played before. That's it's like you have like you have like five, ten minutes to familiarize yourself with it and then you sit down and play, you know, so it's just yeah. It's it's neat. And I, I guess they're gonna make some cash on this. Mm-hmm. So moving on to what's on your radar, the first thing I have is eighteen millimeter Americans have been added to the Dark World War. And this is a um a news article from the miniatures page and it comes from slave to gaming. I had no idea that there was an 18 millimeter weird world war one. I can't believe I said that correctly. <laughs> um, game out there. And apparently there is, and the Americans have just joined. Uh, the figures look really cool. I'll give them that, you know, they're wearing the little ranger hats and, um, uh, gas mass but um yeah i was just gonna bring it to your attention that it was a whole thing and apparently they're based out of australia which is interesting because you know anytime we find a a new gaming whatever it's it's never in america it's always somewhere else for whatever reason except for um those water sausages we talked about last (laughs) el blado was that american or were they uk I think were those were UK, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Your space otters, yeah, the UK's got that. So, yeah, I'm just going to mention this. I have no idea how the game plays, but 18 millimeter is always kind of an odd scale for me. It's like, well, it's small enough that we don't want you to base the figures individually and large enough that there's a lot of detail on them as, you know, opposed to like 15 millimeter. So, 18 millimeter, does that, what is the standard infantry? Is that like maybe five-eighths of an inch, three-quarters of an inch? Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I would say like the average height of like a 15 millimeter would be about your thumbnail, okay. you know, from, from tip well, so to quick. 12.7 millimeters is a half inch. So, 18, 19 millimeters is three-quarters of an inch. Okay. So, so does that mean um, that that's when they talk about the scale? Is that the height of a particular of an average human? Yes, it's supposed okay. to be. When you say it's an 18 millimeter figure, the average height of a human is supposed to be 18 millimeter tall. So okay. if there's like a giant or a tank or or whatever, it's all supposed to scale with that. Gotcha. So. All right. So 18 mil is yeah, is about three quarters of an inch. Yeah, and it, like I said, it's an odd thing. Most most people are doing either 15 or 20. It's like, well, if you just want to be extra and special, you know, you'll do something different. So you're like, eh, my company's going to do 18. Ha ha ha. You know, which sucks. Look, from a guy that has ADD and, you know, buys a bunch of stuff, um, I will say I... This kind of, looking at this kind of stuff really makes me look at the terrain I already own. So, like, I own a ton, or have access to, through my local shop, a ton of 15-millimeter terrain uh, that would work uh, for Flames of War. So I don't want to buy 18 or 20-millimeter stuff, because I'm going to have to, like, buy terrain for it. And of course, you can always fudge hills and you know the forest or you know whatever but when it comes down to buildings and stuff you can't it looks off 
So, you know, I, I always think about that. Like, when I want to do Chain of Command, a lot of people are doing it in 20, which is great because it looks good, but I own a ton of 15mm, you know, terrain, you know, at least through my local shop. So I don't want to buy 20mm terrain. So I'm, I'm just saying, that's that's what I think of whenever I go to, like, buy into something. If I was interested in this, I'd be like, eh, sorry, the scale's off. Or I would actually have to take a look at it and go like, well, it's not too bad. You know, you can fudge it, squint your eyes, and you'll be fine. Yeah, so Roy, I know you play Star Wars Legion. Uh, I think Legion is 35 millimeter. So this is oh, about okay. half that size. All right. Which, um, I don't know if I put it on the uh, the list, but I want that new Bosk figure. <laughs> yeah. like my... He was like my favorite Star Wars toy as a kid was Bosk, just this lizard guy, you know, so I definitely want to get him. Yeah. Plus he has like a neat, a neat story. The uh the the suit he's wearing was actually an old Doctor Who uh spacesuit from an episode. I so, never yeah, and I'll post this in the show notes if you didn't know that. I'll uh, I'll post it. But yeah, Bosk is costume in Empire Strikes Back was a recycled Doctor Who uh spacesuit. So, there you go. Yeah, and if you watch Clone Wars, he uh, he kind of helps raise Boba Fett after you know Mace Windu cuts his dad's head off. Look, okay, in that vein, you know, getting back in Armada and stuff like that, it's like, look, I'm this old forty-three-year-old dude that doesn't know where all these kids are getting these fun new uh, ships and stuff. <laughs> look, I, I started looking through my X-wing app, and I'm like. What what is this? Rebels can feel Tie Fighters, and it's like neon yellow. What is this? Yeah, that's Sabine's you know, Tie Fighter. She painted it. Yeah, so I felt really old. So I started kind of like poking around to see like, well, where's all this stuff coming from? And a lot of it comes from like Rebels. Yep. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, not Rebels or like Rebels Clone and Clone Wars. Wars sure. So um, Clone Wars is actually on Netflix in the U.S. Yep. Uh, as I speak. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll fire this up and um, take a look at it. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to bail out like 10, 15 minutes into the first episode. Does it get any better? It does, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I would definitely say it does. If you're a Star Wars fan, um, Clone Wars will save the prequels. The, the, watching Clone Wars makes the prequels better because the character of Anakin is so bad in the prequels. You know, you, you watch him, you're like – this just doesn't make any sense. Um, but Clone Wars fills in those gaps and makes him a much more understandable character. So, Plus, Clone Wars will give you one of the best characters in Star Wars, and that's Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, because you can apparently field her in um, uh, X-Wing. Yeah, she is amazing. I mean, for, she's she is for, one of the best sure. characters in all of Star Wars. Her arc is incredible. All right. I'll, I'll give it another shot. I will say a lot of people are talking about uh, buying the... Um, the Anakin uh, Naboo Starfighter for X-Wing, just for like all the dumb memes that have come out. Just so you can the, spend? <laughs> yes. Because the people made that point like, oh, look, it does. It has a you know, yeah. the spin thing. It's on got there, a barrel roll. <laughs> try spinning, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm interested to see. I, look, I'm very excited to do Clone Wars and X-Wing. Uh, I'm just, I'm gonna, I want to do the droids. You know, I always thought that was a really cool faction. You know, it's they're just neat. The figures are neat. If they bring them to Legion, I'll absolutely do those as well. And uh, yeah, yeah. No. And uh, next, 
I don't think we have it on here, but I saw that one of the Clone Wars droid fighters, like the Vulture fighter, at some convention somewhere, they're going to be releasing. Adepticon. Yeah, at a, a special edition of it. So. Yep. That's Adepticon, that's going to yep. go for big money, I'm sure. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's a really good investment. And I will say, okay, in me casually getting into X-wing. Apparently, um, gosh, it's it's the Starfighter, Star Killer, something like that. One of uh, those is actually apparently in the meta, really good, and it's currently out of print. So if you can find one locally, they're going from anywhere from like forty to sixty dollars sealed uh, on eBay. That's how the K Wing was for a long time in first edition. The K Wing was so, very hard yeah. to find, and you could buy them on eBay for. Fifty to seventy-five dollars. Yeah. Uh, I, look, I'm just I, I I essentially play hyperspace rules because I'm not buying any old stuff. I'm not buying any conversion kits. All I'm doing is whatever the current release cycle is. Yeah. See. So basically, I just play hyperspace. Yeah, and I'm doing the opposite because I bought the conversion kits so I could use my old stuff. So I'm just playing extended right now. Hmm. Okay. But, uh, wow, we got off on a tangent. And again, I'm going to try to we will try to dump all this stuff in the show notes uh, whenever I'm uh, editing it. Uh, the next thing we had was Gloomhaven is coming to Steam. And I'll have a link in the show notes where you can look at this. It's listed as available quarter one, 2019. That's now. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, technically it is. I guess technically quarter one ends in April. So they have to the end of April to actually do this. Um, I'm very interested, you know, I don't know how it's going to play, you know, but the fact that I can just, you know, play this without, you know, having to drag out all the stuff. Like I said, uh, one of my issues with Gloomhaven has been just in just my observing people play it is it takes up a lot of table space. It has a lot of fiddly bits and little extra whatever, you know, to it. So yeah, if I can just do this. Lovely. Yeah, they do look great. This is one that I won't buy at day one, but if after it comes out, people say, yes, this is like playing the game, then I'll probably pick it up. Uh, That is true. (coughs) I will pay attention to um, uh, uh, reviews. However, when it comes to Steam, I'm not going to touch it until Until it goes goes on sale. sale. Yeah. Yeah. An item from your wish list is on sale. Yeah, yeah. That's until I get that email and it's at least forty percent. <laughs> then I'll then I'll jump on that. Yeah, you know? come this fall when everything goes on sale. How much it's gonna sell for? No. Uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, who knows? It's I'm always surprised. It, you know, this is a known IP or something like that. I would imagine at least twenty dollars. Yeah, I was gonna guess twenty nine ninety nine for this one. Yeah, it, 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 although it could be anywhere. They could be like, you know, this game is really fun, it's really popular, so let's say forty nine ninety nine, Or they could surprise the hell out of me and say like, eh, nine ninety nine. There you go. So do you but suppose I, yeah. that, they'll, that they'll support um, multiplayer, like um, kind of turn-by-turn play? Like you would, you would hope. But like in I don't know. It just depends. You just it just depends on like how much they want to put on it. You know mm-hmm. that reminds me. I've seen a lot of people talking about playing X Wing on Vassal. Yeah, 
Vassal and Tabletop Simulator. You can play X-Wing on both of those. I've never played it on Vassal, but um, I've seen videos of people doing it. And it's, I mean, whoever programmed it did a great job because, you know, they built in the movement and everything. And uh, some of the best players in the world play a lot on Vassal. So Hmm. it's a very, it's a good community. X-Wing is just, Hmm. it's got such a great community in general. They seem nice. <laughs> well, I don't know if they're nice, but they're certainly strong. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. The next thing we had was Zone Raiders, a miniatures campaign skirmish game. A miniatures campaign skirmish game. I've never seen like that before. Odd, yeah, I know, an odd phrase. You know, honestly, in this, and, you know, you can see it in the show notes, in, in talking about it, I think I have sci-fi skirmish fatigue at this point. Uh, I will say that, you know, used to be sci-fi skirmish was something that was rare. It was like the major thing was Infinity, and really nobody else was doing it. You know, uh, there really wasn't a lot of just skirmish anyway. And nowadays there's Malifaux, there's Kill Team, and it just go, the list goes on and on and on. And especially over the past couple of years, there has been a ton, an absolute ton, of these games kickstarted successfully. So, so I don't know. So Adam, I hear you. I hear you say that, and as a counter argument. Have you seen the robot spider? Because that is really wait, wait. cool looking. Wait, robot spider? Where is that in the? Uh, where it yeah, it's on the Kickstarter page. It's like the first, the first page with actual, the first picture of an actual picture of minis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it does look cool. Okay, honestly, <laughs> what I was more interested in, if you scroll down where it says seven unique faction or archetypes, yeah, the bucket heads. That those. Yeah, the bucket heads. <laughs> and honestly, they're not even buckets. It looks like it's kind of like pans. You know, pan heads with, with samurai swords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those do look cool. That is a really cool faction. And let's see, if I actually wanted them, if I just wanted them, let's see, what would it cost me? Ooh, Shit, it's going to cost me a lot. Um... No, no, yeah, no, there, no, there's no cheap option seeing, into this one. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, because I'm not seeing where I can actually get figures. It's like for thirty bucks you can get the PDF, for fifty you get the hardcover and the PDF. For three hundred, you're still looking at tokens. I know, it's that's really weird to me. Um, it, like for sixty you get the hardcover, the PDF, you get the tokens and acrylic markers. A hundred and ten you get double of everything but i'm not getting any figures oh okay maybe you don't get figures because golly at 400 you just get double rule books you get the pdf you get double tokens you get five times the metal art print a preview rule book and you get to design a unit scenario or game element with custom art well they did so what if i wanted for to your draw- own figures so, no figures. You can just, like, you can pull all your 40K stuff into this. That's true. But it does say seven unique factions. Yeah. You know, if you look at the estimated delivery, May 2019, I think Roy is right, because there's no way they'd be able to print all that before then. 
Oh, so this is just a rule set. Okay. And tokens. It's a little. It's a little. Yeah, and tokens. It's a little high. Yeah, in in my opinion, thirty bucks for PDF. I mean, you may get me at like twenty, but if I was really interested, but like eh, fifty, I guess that's about average rulebook and a PDF. Of course, you're gonna have to pay shipping. Now, what they wanted was just a measly seventy five hundred dollars. <throat> Um, they have raised as of this podcast twenty one thousand seven hundred nineteen, and they have thirty six hours to go. So probably by the time you hear this, uh, you'll have probably six or eight hours to actually jump in on this, and you can see the link in the show notes. So, hmm, okay, well, all right, not gonna get my money. I want those bucket heads. Where do they come from? <laughs> Who made those? Now I want to ask. I just want them. So, uh, moving on, the next thing we have is comes from the Thin Red Line Games, less than 60 miles. Um, and this is a uh, NATO versus Warsaw game. This is Cold War Gone Hot. And, um, yeah, this is, to me, the graphics are really neat. Uh, it smacks of a computer game. But it's actually a physical game. It's 83 euros plus VAT, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, gosh, it's probably like 120 bucks American, not counting shipping. And will be available in the first <coughs> months of 2019. Yeah, it's got <laughs> more than 1,000 counters in it. So that's, that's typically, you're going to expect that much for a game that's more than $100, but... I'm interested in this uh, this where it says that there's it's the beginning of a series that eventually will allow you to play the entire Eastern Front on the table. Except that that would be the Eastern. That would be the Cold War. Yeah, that wouldn't be on my yeah, table. That yeah. would be on the floor because <laughs> yeah. I don't have a table that big. So there's five five different games that are coming out. That's what I'm saying. Looks like it. Yeah. Yeah, and this okay. is just the first one. Yeah, but the Thin Red Line, I haven't, I can't think of anything else by them. I'm not sure what else they've done. Oh, they did Under an Iron Sky. Okay, that's the same company they did Under an Iron Sky. Okay, so that makes sense then. That's why. That's why they're on What's on Your Radar. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on, uh, we have a thing from Lost Battalion Games called Rally Round the Flag, and. The whole reason why I stuck it on here is I find the uh, what appears to be acrylic. Um, I'm really going to date myself saying this. Uh, they remind me of Shrinky Dinks. Yep, yes. I knew where you were going. <laughs> this is like Civil War Shrinky Dinks on um, a board game, and uh, they look cool. You know, I, I'll give them points for that's kind of original. I can't think of anybody else doing that right now. And, um, yeah, this is it. It's, this is playable in two to four hours. Uh, two players can battle at one time. Each stand represents one division. They look pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I don't know anything about, like, how it plays. You can do core command, division command, or brigade command. And um, it, uh, what another reason why I brought this to your attention is it features the art of, uh, what is it? What is his name? Um, Mort uh, Kunstler or whatever. He's one of he's the guy that pretty. You've seen his artwork if you've seen any Civil War artwork. 
In fact, I have a mug uh, in my cabinet in there with um, the defense of Little Round Top with uh, Chamberlain, where he decides to fix bayonets and charge. You know, um, and it's I'll post that picture in the show notes. Um, yeah, and he's really well known for his nice uh, Civil War artwork. And, uh, yeah, so it's that's pretty cool. I wonder how much it is. And uh, I can't remember, so I'm going to ask the uh, St. Louis historical gamer, <laughs> what's smaller, a core or a brigade? A uh, brigade, I think. A brigade, okay. Yeah. So brigade's the smaller one. Let's see how much brigade command is. And this is Gettysburg, apparently, what you're going to be playing. And it comes in a metal box, too. And, wow, okay. It doesn't tell me how much it is. So is this it one game, or is it three games? It looks like it's three games set. I mean, that's a good point. Uh, it looks like it's three different games at three different um, scales. The Brigade oh Command, my. playable in 24 <laughs> okay, to 40 hours. Uh, okay, guys. I just added uh, Brigade Command to the cart you want to just pause it on what it costs okay so i'm just looking at the picture of everything that it comes with including the big lunchbox looking thing uh i'll guess 140 uh 10 10 times that (laughs) oh my god is that in confederate dollars I don't know. It's uh, for just the brigade command, and it does look like it comes with a lot of stuff, but it's one thousand ninety-five dollars and ninety-five cents. Ninety-five cents. Wow. <laughs> Let me see if core command. Well, at least they is got cheaper. it under one thousand ninety-six. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. If I want to do core command, I can. That's eighty bucks. So that's that's pretty standard, pretty reasonable. It doesn't come with the, the little thing. And then uh, Division Command is 150 So it sounds yeah. like... It sounds like scale, the like. scale, maybe, but, you know, because a brigade is going to be made of... Well, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know, but you can take a look at this in, in the show notes. We, we've got it. Um, it's I'll give them this. It, it has some really good art. It's, uh, yeah, all the art direction, all that is great on it but yeah they kind of want a bunch of money for the big one yeah. but uh, it just it yeah. looks so different from anything you've ever seen on a war game table so i find it so aggressive to like want to interview people just to ask the question like what the hell are you thinking <laughs> charging that much you know the quickest interview ever <laughs> Yeah, it's like, look, I just want to ask one question. What the fuck? You know, why is this thing $1,100? Do you hand deliver it to my house? Like, within five minutes of my credit card being charged? And he plays, you know, he plays with you anytime you want a game. Yeah, that's right. He teaches me yeah. himself, the actual game designer, you know. Because look at that. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's the whole thing. All right, so uh, the next thing we had was Dice Coins. Who put dice coins on here? Was it me? That might have been me. I saw this. I thought it was interesting. Um, it So some guy just came up with an idea to, um, instead of having, uh, you know, every, I mean, everyone that's played any sort of RPG has seen the the regular RPG dice, the D4, D60, AT10. And he took everything and he made it into coins. So it, they look weird to me, 
but I thought they looked interesting. It, it's a, he didn't ask for much money. He only wanted like a thousand dollars and it funded right away. Um, yeah, he wanted a thousand Yeah, and he got 48,000. So a lot of people are buying this. Um, they look odd to me, but I thought they looked interesting. So I threw them on there. But it's got yeah all the different all the different die that you dice that you would use. He's got in coin format. But then how do you select a number? Well, yeah, that that was my question. Roy asking the real question: How the hell do I actually roll this? So as as an and the answer to that is I have no idea. (laughs) So yeah, I just I thought those looked so weird, and there's even yeah. I love like the witch. They were like, okay, well this, yeah, this sorceress or witch or whatever looks pretty normal, but wait, wait, we really need a cleavage window in there. Can you kind of <laughs> hack that in there? And then there you go. Yeah. So, gosh. so th- the reason I thought this was interesting, I've seen other people that have sort of redesigned dice. I've seen dice that were basically like long tubular shape. And I've seen um, some that were, I think I saw some a while ago. They were shaped like different weapons or whatever. And I've just always thought, why, you know, (laughs) it's kind of like redesigning something that works the way it does. I mean, we've had dice for thousands of years that pretty much work the way they do now and they work well. So, uh, I mean, obviously a lot of people bought into this. I don't know how they work either, but yeah, threw it up there. I suppose you could slot the coin into like a spinner. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I don't see that how that would work. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, or even even if the inside of the coin rotated like a spinner or something like that, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have the D twenty rings. Um, so it's a ring. Yeah, I think I've seen those before. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's weird. So they it's look up there. Cool, if you but... want to find out more about it, it's there. They look neat, but not functional. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm very perplexed by this. I want to know, like, okay, if this is a dice coin, whatever, whatever, why would you not say, like, hey, this is how you roll it, you know? Mm-hmm. This is how it works. Because I see people commenting, like, oh, these these roll better than my uh, game science dice, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> how did you actually roll it? I don't know. It's it's weird, and apparently it's an American thing. I mean, honestly, it's not a bad deal. I almost will hop on it because it's like for twenty one dollars, you get three you get three of them. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, basically you're paying seven bucks a piece, you know. And I, I'm a guy that actually buys like uh, hobo nickels or whatever that people make. What are those? You know, I mean, okay, I'll I'll post this in the show notes. It's it's essentially like the old art of it is is people take a regular coin and you you turn George Washington into like a skull face or whatever. Oh, okay, but, yeah. But yeah, people are making ones and just minting them, you know, that are just kind of really cool. Like I'm holding one in my hand now that has a skull that has like a bunch of tentacles coming out of it, and on the other side is a uh, guy in a diver suit fighting a octopus, you know, <laughs> just stuff like that. So, I, you know, I kind of get where this is coming from and why people would pick them up, but, yeah, I I kind of want to be able to use it. And you know what? I'll, I'm going to hit Remind Me on here because it's got 12 days left to go, and uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll order one. Hey. Oh, actually, th- I get three. 
speaking of hobo nickels, I happened to see that the Bank of Canada, the five-pound Canadian note, uh, whoever's on that happens to look a little bit like Spock. So a lot of people are sketching Spock onto these five-pound notes. And the Bank of Canada is saying, stop doing this because it's pissing us off. (laughs) Stop stop spocking our notes. Yeah. All right. So the next thing we had was Storming the Gap, World War 85. And, you know, I this has been kind of big on Twitter. I am all um, over this one. It's, um, I actually own one of the World at War games. Um, it's the deluxe version of that Eisenbach Gap. It's the one that comes with, like, Death of the First Panzer and a couple of those. Uh, this one, you know, I, I was kind of like, eh, does Lock and Load really need to do a Kickstarter? You know, I, you know how I feel about that. I do know how you and, feel about uh, Kickstarters, but I will say in this case, whether they need to or not, I have no idea. But one of the nice things about the Kickstarters is the stretch goals. And this one has already met so many stretch goals that this is a lot of value for 70 bucks. There's a lot in here that they've already met. And the more stretch goals they meet, the more goes in there. So all right. look so at I all the, the different maps in there. It's already a pretty good sized game. Um, it's a chit pull game, which I, is my favorite war game mechanic. Um, lots it's of maps Vassal in ready. here. Vassal, yeah, Vassal Ready. Um, and um, I haven't played. Uh, what's the what's the lock and load tactical game? Is it just called Lock and Load? I can't remember. They have it. Uh, well, yes. Yes, lock and load tactics or, okay, or yeah. whatever. So it's it's yeah. you know sort of an ASL-ish game, um, but this one is obviously uh, 1985 instead of World War II. Tons and tons of maps. I did not spend the extra fifty for dice because I don't need fifty dollar dice, but I did the fifty dollar dice. Yeah, they're apparently made of like of aircraft aluminum, and I, I don't need that. But I do need this game with all these maps. All right, I see they've got a campaign. Okay, now is this one of the things I I don't like this trend in uh, Kickstarters where it's like we unlock stretch goals, but what that means is it's just extra stuff for you to optionally buy. No, 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 no. What I want this is they're unlocking stuff, and the more as the stretch goals get unlocked, you get it. It's not more stuff to buy; it's Mm. you get it. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of different scenarios. Uh, they've expanded the core game. More maps. Golly, they are at stretch goal... 10 is where they're yeah. at? No, no, 9. Yeah. 9 is where they're at, which will be uh, winter maps for something. It's a $35 added value. Yeah. And then so, they just um, sent an email, I think, this morning announcing some new stretch goals because they're meeting the ones they have. So um, yeah. it looks amazing, though. That's great. I love but, the look of the but I always The counters are very colorful, I, which I love. All right, I'm going to throw a remind me on here. If my close personal friend Richard is buying <laughs> in, maybe I should buy in. Too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's 70 bucks, and you get a copy and with all stretch goals. Uh, the... Uh, MSRP is 95. You um, generally you don't see lock and load products at a discount. You can only purchase them, I think, from them directly or Noble Knight. Uh, so if you see them at a, a convention or whatever, generally they're running a, a discount. It's about 20% or you know whatever. So it's probably a pretty good value. It just depends what shipping is. 
I don't want to pay seventy and then you hit me with like, well, that'll be thirty five dollars shipping or yeah, some shit like it's that. It's domestic. I can't imagine it's gonna be that bad. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll toss it on here. I I love the original game, and this is basically a a redoing of that. We should get Mark. Uh, what's his name on on the show sometime? Oh, Herman. Uh, Walker. No, 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 no. Uh, the guy that actually did that did that storming. Oh, the this game. Yeah. Um. It's. Oh no, sorry, Dad Gummin. I got confused. The guy I'm thinking of, I think it's Mark H. Walker from, I think it's Devil Pig Games, the guy that do, does OST. Yeah, OST Pac-Man. is Devil Pig, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got confused. I don't quite know who designs this one. No, no, we can look it up, though. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, how long is left on their Kickstarter? 17 days to go, so yeah, let's get them on. Everybody yeah. likes to do interviews when they have an active Kickstarter. <laughs> Yeah, they do. They really, really do. They're like, hey, yeah, so we're not doing that great. Can you come up? So. <laughs> they're, they're not having this problem, though. They're way over, so. No, that's true. They're like, eh, look, buy our crap. <laughs> or don't. We don't care, because we, we've met it. Yeah, um, Yeah, I always love that Ron Swanson commercial that he did. Um, when he did, like, his own carpentry company, he's like, if you hire me, I will do a good job. You know, hire me or don't. I don't care. You know, I'm not running a charity. I can't remember. Toss that in the show notes. It was great. And then, like, the last, like, of the 30-second commercial was just 10 seconds of him staring into the camera. Fantastic. Anyway. Dead eyes. So, (laughs) moving on. Alter Three Dimensions, yeah? Yeah, so this is me to put this on here. And the the website name, as it was told to me, is Altered Dimension. Dementia. But it's spelled weird. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> yesterday, I uh, went with a friend to a used bookstore nearby. And uh, there is a guy there. So this, is, this guy that runs this website is local to me. And he is a 3D printer. And so he has licenses with Fat Dragon Games and Ill-Gotten Games to 3D print their products. And um, he's going to secure some other licenses. And so basically, um, if you own a license to something, you can kind of email the files to him along with some kind of proof that says, yes, I have, I have license to uh, print these, and he'll print them for you and send them to you. So the website is alter 3 D dementia and D I M E N S Y A. I, this will be in the show notes, correct? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so yes, he's a 3d printer and, um, uh, makes uh, terrain and figures and things. Um, so yeah. Yeah, he does dungeon tiles yeah. I'm looking at that look really cool. Yeah. Actually interlock in, and yeah, that's pretty neat. So Looks he, like I, it will be a cheaper option than, um, what you call it, the the big company. Oh, Dwarven Forge? Yes, Dwarven yep. Forge, yeah. Um, so, like, he had a little section of wall, so it was like a uh, dungeon tile with a, with a wall that was $1.50 for the, um, for the one piece. Um, you know, and don't quote me on that, but, um, anyway, he had a, he had his, his 
he's got a couple of uh, 3D printers, and he had one setting up set up that was running some hobgoblins. He said this will run for about seven hours, and I'll get two figures out of it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, um, some of these guys that have these 3D printer bit uh, businesses, they've got like six or eight or ten or a dozen printers all going at the same time. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just you know I, I let it run through the night, and I you know I get it set up to to print through the day when I'm at work and it just, it just goes and goes and goes. But I think that his, his printers will run, you know, 24 seven, but you know, he needs to, to, to churn out a, a, um, sorry. (laughs) Uh, for some reason, my phone decided it wanted to start talking. Um, So anyway, uh, Altered Dementia is a website, a guy that's local to me for uh, 3D printing of scenery and figures and all kinds of stuff. And have you got the uh, the next thing on here? The oh, uh, yes. printing out. Uh... Sorry, that's me too. So uh, I was I'm going to be playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons next Friday, and I found a website. It's a Russian website, um, so don't let it scare you off. I guess. But it is a, uh, they have all the, the spell cards there that you can uh, download and put together your, um, uh, for spells for your D&D character. So that is called, that is at hardcodex.ru. This is a website for uh, dealing with 5th uh, edition Dungeons and Dragons spells. So I'm, assu- I'm, we'll have this link to I'm the assuming the fact that they're Russian is the reason that that's still online because I... I would imagine that wizards would not want that up. Because don't yeah, they sell those? Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. So, I guess use it at uh, your own peril. Uh, yeah. It's telling me who to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on to news, the, uh, the next thing we had was a little um, kerfluffle that happened earlier in the month with a Kickstarter that Stronghold Games did. And um, essentially they they did this Kickstarter for a game called Aftershock. And a couple of people on Twitter pointed out to them, like, well, hey, there's already a kind of similar game that has the exact same name. Maybe you should think about, um, you know, changing the name or whatever. And at that point, instead of, like, acknowledging it or doing anything or whatever, they uh, just blocked the people on Twitter and just, you know, called it a day. So it was kind of like a little kerfluffle for about a week, week and a half before they pulled their um, Kickstarter and reached an agreement with uh, the guy who actually owns, apparently has the the uh, name and whatnot for Aftershock. So I'm just going to kind of bring that to your attention. Because, it, you know, when you see a company behave like that, it's very childish to just like, you know, I can understand not engaging, but to just block people, you know, I guess the diplomatic thing would do to be like, well, you know, we will take a look at it and blah, 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 you know, just being very diplomatic about it. In, in a response like that, yeah, for, no, they were for just better like, or for worse. Social media is just important nowadays for for a company to to do that. 
because I mean, gamers do have a, like a long memory too, and like when you beha- how you behave with people, you know, out in the in the world, you know, just even on Twitter, you know, it's it's a thing. People people remember, you know. So I guess technically this was a happy ending. They, they kind of threw a tantrum, blocked people, and then reached an agreement. So there you go. So meh. So is are they the the similar theme? It was yes, it was a similar similar theme, which was disaster recovery. Yeah, okay. after an earthquake All, specifically, I think. Right, and whereas the stronghold game took place in a unnamed city that was modeled after San Francisco, or it, it was it was named, you know, like, you know, Farlandia or something like that. Um, the the other one which has a very small print and it was just designed in mind for like, you know, some war college or something, you know, uh, that at that level of it, but it was designed for like an earthquake hit San Francisco. This is what we have to do. So yeah, but it was a very similar theme and the exact same name. So yeah. Okay. So Moving on, I was very excited, so excited to see, after our last podcast, I even tagged Richard on um, Twitter that Star there was actual Star Wars Armada Yeah, because you so said there's never Armada news, and here we go. Yeah. So essentially what they did was give us uh, sector fleet rules so we can play large games with multiple people we can actually do team games with like two people per side and stuff like that so yeah it is interestingly interesting to me that you see in the end of this article that you can see in the show notes that it talks about this whoever wrote this article has worked on star wars armada x-wing and rune wars the miniature game now, speaking of Rune Wars, that is like Armada's biggest fear is turning out like Rune Wars, which, you know, they got pushed for several years and then now everybody's clearancing it out. It's dead. Yep. You know, it's it's a dead game and they're done with it. You know, walking around in the Armada circles, I mean, these guys love this game. They're very passionate about it. Most of them also play X-Wing. I would argue 98% of them play X-Wing as well. And they just like Armada more. I know it scratches that itch for me. You know, I'm just, you know, I can imagine myself as the guy commanding these different ships to move and, you know, maneuver and fire and all that kind of stuff. It's it's basically just X-wing on a larger scale, to me. You know, it's you have more directional uh, shielding and, and and different stuff and a lot more stuff on the table. It's it's just more and a bigger table. It's three by six instead of three by three. It's just more satisfying to me. So, are these but, new expanded rules? Are they going to be for an even bigger table or not? Because X-wing, you can um, play large scale X-wing on a three by six table. It says uh, all standard objectives can be included in sector fleet games, and the same 3x6 play area is oh, used. Okay. Although the size of fleets is not unlimited, our largest games of sector fleet have featured an imperial fleet of several imperial class star destroyers led by an executor class star dreadnought. 
accompanied by an escort of smaller ship squadrons, all matched against a rebel force of equal size. So, uh, yeah, they apparently played that SSD, you know, with with this. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm, I'm hoping. I I really hope that there. I just hope we get a Clone Wars announcement, you know, at Gen Con this year for Armada, and then I'll be happy. They're like, okay, it's it's not dead. Because, I mean, honestly, I don't really care that much about Star Wars. I would love to play a fleet game, period. And this just happens to be the one pushed by the biggest company. The miniatures are pre-painted. You know, it's a tight set of rules. And, you know, a lot of people have argued that. Like, you know, we don't need an Armada 2.0. It's not like X-Wing. Yeah. It doesn't have, you know, X-Wing's 1.0 problems. We don't need a 2.0. We just want more stuff. More ships. And the argument the argument in the community uh, lately has been like, well, are we out of ships? And people are like, hell no. You know, just think of, here's all the stuff from the expanded universe that you could use. Yeah, and X, X-Wing has fact, had no, no trouble at all pulling stuff from expanded universe, stuff that was never really even canon, so... I, I know. It, look, there's so much stuff they pulled that I, yeah, I, I'm constantly like, where the hell did that come from? Like, oh, you know, it's, yeah. And it's like, oh, well, it was in a game, you know, a PC game from 2014. You know, that's where that ship comes from. So, anyway. I digress. Moving on. Amazon has finally admitted to investors it has a counterfeit problem. And, um, yeah, it from third-party sellers and not only like board games it's like a lot of other kind of like little things and i've heard a lot of people talk about it that some of this stuff isn't necessarily counterfeit it's more are you guys familiar with the term third shift no third shift is the place in china makes extra of whatever Yep. Okay. That's that's it. It's like, you know, they have a day shift, they have a night shift, and then once it's closed, people sneak back in and continue to make stuff, take it out the back and sell it on Amazon. So is it the same you quality? Know. In theory, yes. Huh. It's the exact same thing. They're just selling it either much either unlabeled or much cheaper or or whatever, but not necessarily. But yeah, if it's third shift stuff, it's supposed to be the exact same thing. But it can also be stuff that didn't meet quality control that was supposed to be destroyed and wasn't, and instead the guy's taking it out and being sold. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I know with board games in particular, I've seen lots of threads on Reddit where someone has said, hey, you know, the quality on this game is really low. I think it's counterfeit. And, you know, so you see that a lot. But with board games... Some in particular, obviously, you're not going to get this with like a cool mini or not game. But if the components are basic, then it's very easy to counterfeit those games. Well, and Jamie Stegmeyer had said the same thing, that that's part of why that he has those unique components. Yeah. So uh, moving on, the next thing, which I guess I should have stuck this with the other FFG stuff. Lots of FFG news recently. They've come out with a lot. Yeah. And in fact, I'll move that ATST thing. <laughs> and uh, the Gen Urso, too. Um, speaking of Legion, um, Bosk got my favorite Star Wars toy from a kid, got 
Legion, a Legion release. And I have actually sold the Imperial half of my um, uh, box set because I didn't really want to do anything with them. What I want to do is a Snowtrooper Force because they just look cool to me. Well, as as a uh, rebel, I can tell you I hate those guys. They are they are tough. With the uh, I love the E-Web gun. I had one of those as a kid. I thought that was a really cool, you know, uh, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? A really cool model, I guess you would say. And uh, Bosk was my favorite uh, figure out of, out of the whole series. So I I definitely want this guy. I'll he's Imperial, so I could build that Snowtrooper force. I can get some uh, ATSTs, and it'll be a lot of fun. I don't know who Sabim Wren is, though. That's from she Rebel. Is the Rebel op, Rebel operative. I mean, where did, does he might know where she comes? Yeah, from? she's from the show Rebels. She is a Mandalorian. Um, she's got a pretty interesting story, but she's on the crew of the Rebel ship with Hera and Kanan and Ezra and Zeb and all them. So, and Chopper. If I leave out Chopper, someone will tweet at me. She's a she's a tiger, a graffiti artist. Yeah, she's the one that painted the. Uh, she's the reason that the rebels in X Wing get to fly a Tie Fighter. Oh, yeah. really? And that's why her figure, as painted, is so colorful. Yeah. Oh, I got. Yeah, you. I would have. A- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I actually posted in my local group um, recently about that particular Tie Fighter. I was like, where did this? Like, because I just saw it yep. in my. Um, in in the app and i was like where did this come from and people and people were like and then, well then i figured it out it said it came from the show's rebel okay i was not making that connection yeah that that was her so all right and another cool. interesting thing about these two i think these are the first two that actually come with different weapons loadouts that you can you know you can pose them differently like sabine can either have the two pistols or the dark saber and uh, Boss can have a couple different poses as well. And it actually, you know, uh, obviously you could just switch cards on it, but um, the he has different abilities and different cards based on which poses and weapons you've got in his hands. I also noticed uh, she has a helmet or not. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's another difference. So, so that's really yeah. cool. Okay. Well, like, yeah, I'm going to pick up Boss and, like, a, you know, I want to do a snowtrooper yeah horse. she looks fun to play but, I man i might pay someone to paint her because that's going to be a tough one to paint that's she's going to be beyond my skills you should be able to find somebody lovely yeah. i would think so in other legion news we have the downed atst expansion which is pretty cool yeah as a rebel just player just a that's my terrain. favorite kind of atst <laughs> <laughs> but it's also usable is it not like you, you know, you can actually fire off of it or something. Uh, I think, I or is it? Just I think it just comes with terrain. new missions. So there was a right after the game came out, there was like a a pack that you could get that just had like some supply crates and stuff like that, um, which were just terrain pieces basically. But they did it did include some new missions, and I think that's the way this one is as well. Yeah, it's um, an ATST on a recon mission, gathered important intel, and was destroyed. So you have to secure yeah. it. So essentially, yeah, okay, that's cool. And you know, honestly, in learning more about like how X-wing and Armada plays, I'm really interested to see like Legion on the the battlefield, how it actually plays. 
you know, with all the different, okay, well, I have this unit, I have this card, and let me, I'm going to take this with this upgrade. Yeah, so, just neat to me. And um, the other thing in Legion News, they've released Jen Erso, which to, uh, Rogue One is like one of my favorite Star Wars movies. It's absolutely my favorite of the new releases. So, yeah, I'm going to pick her up. <coughs> but I don't understand, what is a commander, Richard? Uh, commander is, so every army has one to two commanders in it. Um, so the commanders are people like Luke, Leia, Han, now Jin as well. On the Imperial side, it's Vader, Palpatine, Veers, and I must be, oh, well, Krennic is going to be their fourth commander. So there's a difference between a commander and an operative. Operatives are like Chewbacca, Bosk, Sabine, and who am I missing? Oh, oh Boba Fett. Fett. Yeah. So commanders and operatives are similar, but they're not the same. Commanders um, can give orders to other troops. Operatives basically just give orders to themselves. But operatives do get certain... Sometimes operatives have cards that allow them to affect other units as well. Like Chewie in particular has a lot of good synergy with Han and sometimes Leia or Luke as well. Okay, I got you. It's cool. And um, All right, so I could build something around her. I don't know how it would work. But I could. So, like, for the Imperials, I could take Veers as the commander, do Snowtroopers, ATSTs, and the E-Web, and have some fun, I yeah. think. That would be really cool. Oh, yeah, and I can get that new freaking tank that's coming out. Yeah, they've released a little more information on those. Uh, they actually just dropped the rulebook updates that include the information on how the vehicles work as well. So doesn't look like you're going to be able to shoot off of a tank. So you can't stick your e-web on top of a tank and just blast people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but still. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, the uh, The next thing we have is apparently there's a new game. You know, because FFG is going to milk this license for all it's worth. And I don't blame them, because I imagine it was really expensive. Star Wars The Outer Rim. A game of bounty hunters, mercenaries, smugglers for one to four players. Yeah, so hard to say um, what what this is going to be yet. It certainly looks interesting. It looks very Star Wars-y. Uh, I did think it was cool. I think it uses the same dice that they use in X-Wing, if I recall pro correctly, which I thought was interesting. So you've got not just hits, but you've got, you know, uh, the, the focuses and stuff like that. So This looks yeah, suspiciously but... like a pick-up-and-deliver game, like uh, the uh, Serenity Firefly game. Yeah, I haven't played that, but I, yeah, that probably sounds pretty accurate. Um, I don't know. I have Which not played fine. Star Wars Rebellion, but I've heard really good things about it. So, you know, FFG, they make quality games. I would definitely be interested in this uh, when it comes out. And mm -hmm. it's, yeah. The Outer Rim. It, it reminds me in my search, in, in getting back into Armada, I searched around for like podcasts. And a lot of them are dead since there hasn't been any releases yeah. since last year. There is one still going, and it has my vote for the best podcast name ever. And it's The Outer Rim Job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, when when somebody told me that on Reddit, I'm like, really? That's their name? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's it's that's it. And I'm like, all right, that's the best podcast name I've ever heard. Yeah. Rule so, thirty four yeah. of the internet. <laughs> yeah, kudos to them. And yeah, I, I honestly I've listened to them and they're really informative too about uh, and pretty funny. Um, of course, you know they work blue, which is you know obviously with a name like that. But there you go. <laughs> So, uh, moving on, uh, was this art, this kickstart, this article has been tossed around for a whole bunch all over Facebook and different groups and whatnot. It's an article from the Idaho Statesman, which I assume they know about potatoes. It's essentially about Ninja Division getting a $3 million Kickstarter, and apparently they're based in Idaho, and has yet to deliver. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah. We've talked about them a little bit before. Apparently, they're about half million down is what they need to actually deliver on this. It, you know, and apparently, they've had a good track record uh, with raising million-dollar Kickstarters of various things, and uh, or just you know six-figure Kickstarters, and yeah, apparently they just kind of fell on tough times there at the end. Stuff was uh, wasn't where it was supposed to be, and apparently they're seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in the hole, and it talks about. You know, them spending almost half a million dollars on development. Uh, they've issued $53,000 in refunds. They've spent 344000 on overhead. Uh, it's, I mean, when I give you money on a Kickstarter, I'm not expecting you to actually pay overhead your employee. I mean, maybe that's dumb, you know, but what I'm expecting you to do is to take the money and it develops the game. I mean, honestly... I when you come to me with a Kickstarter, I'm expecting the game to be mostly done, and you just need money for manufacturing. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I'm on the same page with that. And you know, like you said before, big companies, people may disagree with this, but big companies probably shouldn't be doing uh, Kickstarters. Which means, if you're a small company, you probably shouldn't have that much overhead. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really good... 750000 in the hole, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's... Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I, you know, as long as... And that's the weird thing, is like, as long as nothing was illegal, it's just, they just declare bankruptcy and call it a day. You know, nobody goes to yeah. jail, nobody's punished, whatever. Although, technically, I guess, since our industry is very small your reputation is ruined. You know, you're probably never going to make another game again. You're never, nobody's going to hire you. You're never going to work in this industry again. So I would think, and here's the question I have. So there's, if you look at this article, it lists, it's not just one Kickstarter project. There's a lot of projects that they have on here. Has this company successfully released any games? No, no, no. If you look at that list, yes, all okay. of those were lit, were done successfully. They just really screwed the pooch on this. That's the last one. Yeah. Big time. Yep. To the tune of $750,000. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess it's like you get arrogant. It's like, hey, you know, 
what, what are we going to buy the you know the warehouse guys who's you know let's get lunch let's order in steak for you know 900 employees or whatever you know i don't know because you know we have money to we have kickstarter money to burn you know i don't know just i you know i don't like it i guess the the way i see it is you're either small and this is the only way you can make a game you know and so i'm gonna have to take a risk in backing you or you should be big enough to take the risk on yourself. Like, I mean, would they have blown $750,000 if they had to go get a loan for it? You know, I don't know. But, eh. But, yeah, that's that's where Ninja Division is right now. And uh, I think they're looking at selling off IPs or, and bankruptcy and other shit. I don't know. They swear, though, they're going to deliver. But we'll see. <coughs> so, moving on. Another story that has been pretty big, and this is the first thing that caught my eye with it, came out about five days ago, is uh, DriveThruRPG posted a quote-unquote response to current industry news. And this is about a guy named Zach Smith, a.k.a. Zach Sabbath. Apparently he's kind of big in role-playing circles as a freelancer and contributor of different stuff. And it came out that, well, he kind of made some ladies' lives miserable, they allege. And um, so in response, Drive Through RPG uh, decided they were not going to take any more um, titles from him, anything he worked on. And other companies decided, well, you know, he did this game, this freelance for us. We'll donate our profits to Rain, which is the, um, what is it, the uh, battered women's charity and, and whatnot. And in the second article, we'll link in the show notes from this, it's, you get more details about it. Um, a lady named uh, Mandy Morbid, she released details about her abuse at the hands of Zach's sabbath during their relationship and uh yeah it's pretty intense you know i'm not really going to talk about it here you can absolutely go on look at the show notes click on it and read it and take from it what you will but i mean i guess the kind of the the gist of it to me was he was kind of this guy was online his online persona was known to be a misogynist asshole and apparently he was also a misogynist asshole in real life taking it to the extra step of being abusive mentally and physically so there you go i think we have three different articles you can look at there's an even an ian world uh release did a whole thing on it and um yeah now i I added a fourth one on there that is a uh uh, a statement from zach sabbath so in the interest of providing you know both sides of the argument i put that on there too so that's a statement from him kind of refuting all the turmoil. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read it, but I've uh, actually seen a lot of people talk about it, saying that like it was the biggest um, non non apology or, or whatever of it. And uh, yeah, so and I'll take a look at it and see. And I did not put that on there as as a defense of him. I'm just saying that this is what he had to say about sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's what he had to say. You can take a look at it and draw your own opinion. Um, yeah, I'm. To, I am of the opinion that yeah he seems to be a misogynist asshole so 
Moving on, in much, much lighter news, <laughs> I was very, very excited to see the Orville is coming to Heroclix. So the fact that it's just it's a property, it's licensed, it's a game, this is fantastic. Do you guys watch the Orville? I've never seen that show, which I, I, um, I like Seth MacFarlane, so I would probably like the show. I've never seen it, though. I hear it's great. I also have never seen it. Oh, it's it's great. It's to to me, it's it's so good. It, I I want to say it hits. It hit before Discovery. I'm not sure. At least in my experience, I was watching it before I watched Discovery, and um, it. I was like, wow, this is Scar. This is Star Trek. This is amazing. It's like. This is Star Trek, except Picard's making dick jokes occasionally. You know, <laughs> it's 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 funny, but it, I mean it's a dramedy. It is legit. They do some heavy, heavy stuff. And I know one thing uh, that just like hit me like just big time. I post actually posted it on Facebook. I'm going to pull up the exact quote. Was uh, it's a quote uh, from yeah I can't remember the exact. Um, uh, the guy who said it, but it, one of them said, no friendship is complete until your friend turns to you in despair. And I was like, damn. Wow. That, you know, heavy. I'm like, and it, it is, it especially like for me, this thing I'm going through with a, a friend of mine who's who's struggling and we're spending a lot of time talking about what's going on in his life. I was like, damn, that is, that's true. And I'm like, I can't fucking believe Seth MacFarlane, a, you know, a family guy of American dad, which I love American dad, you know, actually said that. So yeah, it's, it's really, really good. And uh, if you, if you like sci-fi, if you like Star Trek, if you like comedy, you'll like, you'll, you'll dig it. So you'll love is it. the show kind of on the, on the, the lines of Galaxy Quest, where it's kind of an homage and kind of a comedy, that kind of thing? Yes, I would okay. say, yes. But it's also its own thing. It's a dramedy. They do some legit, like, Star Trek-type episodes, where, like, uh, one of them was uh, one of the, their crewmates is uh, from a race that is all male. And spoiler alert, you turn to find out that occasionally females are born into them and so in, into their society. And what they do as a society is they give them corrective surgery. <laughs> and so there was this whole moral debate on like, well, you know, we can't because he ends up having a kid that is um, born it was it was born female and they're like well we have to go to our home planet so we can get this fixed so there was this whole debate on like well is this ethical because the you know the kid doesn't have a choice and blah 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 so yeah it was good you know in in the middle of all that there's dick jokes and you know whatnot it's it's funny um uh they have an ai robot from a different race on board and you know he gets in a practical joke war with one of the other guys and his idea of a practical joke on the other guy is amputating his leg while he sleeps <laughs> so it, it it's amputated the guy's not in pain his leg is just gone so he ends up hobbling on the uh the bridge going Isaac where's my you know my leg you know and he's like haha i got you so it's it's funny and I'm doing it no, absolutely no justice in trying to sell this to you. It's on Hulu. You can watch it for free. 
you know, um, you don't need a subscription or even a cable subscription or whatever. You can watch the first episode and the current episodes. I dig it. I really like it. And I'm excited that it got licensed enough that it, it's coming to um, to Heroclix, of all things. <laughs> so it's great. Yeah, it's like Seth MacFarlane's the captain. His first officer is his ex-wife. And, um, yeah, it's great. So go see it. Also see Discovery, because I'm the biggest champion of that every time. They both air on Thursdays. So I'm so freaking excited for thir- to jump out of bed Thursday. Like, oh my gosh, it's, it's Discovery in the Orbiter today. I'm so excited. <laughs> Although I have to pirate uh, Discovery, but, you know, it happens. And uh, I guess the last thing we have on here is uh, our friend and interview that we did last time that did Warline. The, um, the uh, Kickstarter was canceled. But he's continuing to work on it about like what it's going to be and what it's going to do. So I don't think we've seen the last of it. Yeah, it's no. I don't think we've seen the last. No big surprise there. Even when we talked to him, you know, we talked about how it wasn't looking good for him, and he admitted that. So it'd be interesting to see what he does. Um, He was. He seemed very adamant at the time of keeping very high quality components, which is probably one of the things that kept us away. Maybe if he goes lower quality components, you know, maybe as a $30 game, this would sell better than it did as a 60 or 70 or whatever it was. So we'll see. It did look like an interesting idea for a game and I'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. I wish him, wish him luck. I hope it works out. You know, I, I mean, I honestly believe if, if nothing else if, if all else fails, we will see this happen, I think, as a PC game. <laughs> I firmly yeah, believe it's that. It's already out there for Vassal, so. So, yeah. So, is that the end of the show? Man, we've been talking a while. There was a... I, I know I'm feeling... One other thing in news that I happened to see. And they are oh, shit, we're... ruling out a Stranger Things-themed Dungeons & Dragons starter set. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I scrolled past oh, that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think this is going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, my my kid absolutely loves Stranger Things, my youngest kid, and um, I definitely want to get this for. I in fact, uh, they just released a prequel novel for Stranger Things, and I got it for for Valentine's. Oh, really? Day. So yeah, I, I love the fact that it comes with that little thing to whatever it was called. The Demogorgon. The Demogorgon. Yes, yes, that's it. Not the D and D Demogorgon, <laughs> but what they called it, yeah. you know, otherwise. Fla- and oh. uh, apparently it's. Well, it's going to ship May 1st. I see. Available for 25 bucks. the box set. Yeah. D&D starter kits are great. I'm sure it'll be great. So I, I guess it does ship with the demo. Is it... This will be a new starter set with a different starting adventure, and the, the starter characters will be the characters from Stranger Things, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. Sort of. It said it's. Uh, it includes five Stranger Things character sheets that are based on classes used in the show, like Will the Wise, Dustin the Dwarf, and it said it includes two exclusive Demogorgon figures, one of which the players can paint and customize. And uh, yes. Yeah. So that's a I, that's an interesting hydra. idea too. One pre-painted and one unpainted. That's a cool idea. And oh yeah, it also mentions in this article, which you can see in the show notes, um, that the D and D starter set is currently uh, ten bucks on Amazon. Is it too late to give D and D for yeah. Christmas? <laughs> I mean, I was I was buying them for thirteen, <laughs> and giving them away. So yeah, I mean, there's really no excuse. It's worth it. I mean, it's somebody, ten bucks. That's worth that just for the dice. Uh huh. That's a really really good deal. 
course, I figure like you know by the time Amazon finally undercuts every store there is, you know, where we don't buy anything anywhere else, um, they'll turn around and be like and just jack up the prices. You know, honestly, uh, the main reason why I would turn to Amazon for stuff like that, like I bought some um, Armada figures that they dropped, uh, you know, on sale. They dropped them. Not only was the price cheap, but what is the biggest selling point for me is the free shipping. I mean, I have Prime, you know, and, and you know, that's the thing. But just the fact that if I order it from Miniature Market, even if it's like, $13, I'm going to end up spending $15 having it shipped to me. And it becomes a whole thing, at least like with Cool Mini or not, if you buy over $100, you know, you can uh, you, you can uh, have it shipped free. I love when I visit my brother um, in Orlando, ordering it uh, from cool, uh, cool Mini or not online, and selecting the option of picking it up in the store. <laughs> You know, that was great. I ordered, uh, like, 75 Magic singles last time I was there. And it was great for just to swing through and not have them shipped to me and save myself 15 bucks in shipping. It was fun. But, yeah. Anyway, that brings us to the end. The absolute end of the show. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's just our one-year anniversary. By the time we come back, um, I'll, I will have had my birthday. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to work on giveaways. Uh, Richard wants stuff from MMP, and I, I'm going to see what I can do. So, like, hey, you know, it's it's my birthday. It's the, the first year of the show. <laughs> um, you know, we I, I want some giveaways. What what can we do for giveaways? And, uh, Roy, you know, what what can I do? What can I, Who can I ask for stuff? What do you, what do you want oh. out there? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, Richard's easy to shop for. If oh. it, like if something kills something else, you know, it has, and, it, and it happens it, to be in a hex. It has hex yes. with encounters. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that puts us yeah at the end of the show. So um yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, chance of gaming at gmail dot com or chance dot com. Chance gaming at Patreon, Twitch, you name it, it's all there. And uh, hope you enjoy the show. You can uh, just let us know how we're doing. I've noticed we've actually got a bunch of ratings on iTunes, all five stars. Nobody's like left a review, but they have rated us, so that's yay. That's a thing. So even that much makes us happy. And uh, yeah. So anyway, tell us what you want to talk about. We'll we're working on that My Little Pony yeah. segment, but no one has requested it yet. That's true. <laughs> Or who do you want us to interview? You know, who would you like to see? We joke about different guys getting them on or girls, and yeah. So just let us know who who you would like us to talk to. Anyway, have a good night, and we'll see you later. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Drinks.